Hello, welcome to this week's episode of the Talking Points Podcast. As always, it's nice to uh, see the messages and thoughts regarding the last episode of the podcast, so thanks for sending them through. Um, if you're able to rate, review and share the show with as many people as you like, that would be great. It would mean a tremendous amount to me. Oh, this week's discussion is one of the more amazing chats I've been a part of, and it'll make you reconsider, I think, how you view youth offenders. Uh, it certainly made me rethink how I judged or valued them. Uh, and helped me to remember that I shouldn't probably judge a book by its cover so quickly. So um, in a first for the show, I talk to multiple guests. I sit down with the team from Everything Suave, uh, which is a not-for-profit organisation based on the Gold Coast that helps disadvantaged and uh, troubled youth. And so not only was I fortunate enough to sit down with the team, I was also joined on the chat by Ryan, one of the program participants, and he opened up about his experiences in life and some of the challenges he faced. Uh, it was a profound experience for me, to say uh, the very least, uh, because it sort of challenged my natural inclination and view towards criminal behaviour. Uh, and I, I, like, I mean, I very much viewed it through a dim lens, uh, and meeting Ryan has made me, has given me a lot to think about since our discussion, because, um, I, clearly some of the, the challenges that people face and circumstances they find themselves in are not of their own making and the outcomes then need to be considered in that light. So it was a really interesting discussion, uh, really fortunate to be able to do so. So I hope you enjoy it. Thanks. We're on. Yeah, we're on. <laughs> All right. So, hello, listeners. Um, so, for today's episode, I am down on the Gold Coast, beautiful Gold Coast. Although it's not quite the Gold Coast, is it? It's kind of. It is North, northern. Yeah, northern Gold Coast. Northern Gold Coast. Yeah, northern Gold Coast. Uh, and I'm fortunate enough to come and have a chat with uh, some wonderful people who I know through my rugby club. Although I didn't know that they were associated with my rugby club. It was sort of like a chance meeting. Um, and so with me today, I've got, and excuse me if I don't get all the names right, Jeremy, Ryan, Camille and Joe. Yes. Bang. 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 I've never done a... Um, podcast with more than one person before so <laughs> this is gonna be fun um so what i wanted to do was come and i originally uh met i originally spoke to joe and how i came across joe and i'll give some context for the listeners um how i came across joe was i was looking at a story online uh about a young couple that were killed in an accident um and someone was driving the car and it was out of control and there was some other stuff associated with it and it was something that really took my um yeah, it, it, it got me a bit because I've got kids and I often go for walks with my wife and kids and I think, man, what if that happened to me? And so I was pretty um, unhappy about it. It would be a very sort of diplomatic way of saying it. And then Joe, a story about Joe and the work that he's doing here popped up on Facebook and I think the algorithm, which I don't love on Facebook, has worked in your favour here and my favour too. Um, and so I came across... Uh, the work that Joe's doing and with others down the Gold Coast. Maybe, do you want to introduce yourself the work you're doing? Uh, kia ora everyone. So my name is Joe. Uh, I'm the co-founder of Everything Suave, which is a not-for-profit organisation that targets disadvantaged communities, uh, in particular disengaged youth. Uh, to give you guys a bit of a background, um, I actually like to explain a little bit of my upbringing yeah. and why it brought us to where we are with everything suave. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in, I was born in a little place called Gisborne and grew up up north in a place called Whangarei. Uh, I was expelled from school when I was 16 years of age and through the ages 14 to 18, I lost several mates to drink driving accidents, suicide, really? mental health, 
um, yeah. and drug and alcohol addictions. I very easily could have ended up being one of those people, um, along with my mates, and they're my main driving force on why I do what I do. Ultimately, if we had something like a program that was around when we were younger, it potentially could have changed our life um, or their life and given us a, a better direction um, or an opportunity to be aware of our actions. Now, what we do here at Everything Suave is we've got a 10-week Big Brother program that has was actually initially created to go inside the Brisbane Youth Detention Centre. Yeah, right. Now, when COVID hit last year, um, it put a stop to every visitor out there yeah. and put a span in the work for not only us, but everyone around the world in general. Um, we had such a great program that we couldn't let it sit there. And so that's when we approached my lovely mate, Camille, and Toddy Pepper from Elsie in Queensland. Um, and they actually started our fund, our startup fund, to yeah. open up this place. Yeah, right. Um, so this program is a 10-week program that focuses on mental health firstly, uh, give these boys life skills, qualifications and pathways to employment. So in a small nutshell, that is essentially what we do, but we're classed as an alternative learning program. So yeah, right. if that gives a bit of context for who we are, I hope that helps. Can I ask just quickly, this is like the lightest question I'll ask yep. today, why everything suave? Everything suave means to hold yourself well. Really? So myself and my business partner, uh, we like to think of things like do things that you would in front of people the same way when they're not yeah, watching. Yeah, 100%. So to hold yourself well means to act that way even when no one is watching. So that's 100%. what we try and pass to the boys as well. Yeah, right. So who's involved with the organisation? So there's you, there's Camille, Jeremy. Myself and Daniel, we're the co-founders. Right. Um, Camille is our boss, our yep. business developer, our president, <laughs> um, our supervisor and everything in between. Yeah. Then we have Jeremy who... I first met, um, or our first relationship and our meeting would have been 15, 16 months ago now. Originally, uh, Jeremy worked for an RTO that we approached. Um, and for me, it was always finding people that understood and wanted to do it for the right reasons. And I approached multiple RTOs, but everyone just saw the numbers coming through. Yeah. For me, I never ever want to treat these boys as a number. Mm. When I first found Jeremy... He saw the vision, he understood what we're trying to achieve and I knew from that day we had found the person uh, to the point where Jeremy then even followed us to another RTO just to make sure that everything was right. So yeah. our relationship with Jeremy uh, certainly has been from the very beginning um, something that we both had a vision for and we knew what that was absolutely achievable as well. I don't want to embarrass you, mate, but... Those sort of behaviours kind of speak to me as the ones that you talked about earlier. They do stuff in public that they do in private. Like they don't have, you know what I mean? They're pretty solid all the way through yep. if they're going to do that. Yep. Well, I couldn't speak highly of our, uh, our samurai, we call him. <laughs> um, not only has he been uh, hardworking every day for us, he's, he's always been a part of Suave and grown this from the ground up. So um, my mate Camille, Jeremy, Daniel and our mate Steve that's not here today. Yeah. Um, we do this out of love, firstly, um, because we know how important the work is. Yeah. Is that, like, the reason, the rationale for you to, to do this and be here? Well, I um, am from a training background. Right. And have done a lot of pre-employment programs and so forth. Yeah. The biggest downfall with pre-employment programs is um, holding the participants till completion. Right. So they start, they think they want to do it, but then they... You know, most of them are unemployed and so forth, and the commitment that is needed to do a full course is um, 
you know, you need to show up every day. The big difference between the Big Brother program and just any old RTO running a yeah a pre-employment program is the wraparound services that that ESWAV provide. Um, the um, the focus they have on the youth's well-being yeah. is something that we haven't. Oh, well, I haven't been a part of anything like it, and yeah, it's right. very necessary in this day and age that the the youth's um, well-being, as far as making sure they're okay before the education starts, is yeah is the primary difference to why that they're able to hold and engage with these these kids that predominantly have been cast aside yeah. by a lot of people in society and put in the too hard basket. Yeah, really, um, and that is from their own family sometimes. Yeah, they, they don't have the love and support that is a part of life and a necessary part of life yeah. um, to enable them to grow and become a, uh, a big part of society. So, yeah, the, the, the work that Joe and his team do in the wraparound service side of things is, is the thing that allows the RTO to deliver their training uh, properly. Yeah, right. Yeah, probably to give a bit of context as well as where we get our kids from. So we get referrals come from uh, the Southport Court System or the Queensland Court System, yep. Queensland Police, yep. uh, fresh from the Brisbane Youth Detention Centre, Youth yep. Justice, transition from school officers, disengaged school officers. Right. We are getting these kids that are classed as trouble, but for us, we don't see them as troubled kids. These are just kids that have never been given an opportunity to change. Yeah. So we're not just getting the general kids... Um, I'm also look at us as a safety net for the yeah. kids that slip through the crack. Yeah. Um, because absolutely, I was one of those kids. So yeah. Um, just to I guess highlight the kids that we're working with. They're beautiful kids. Yeah. Um, they aren't troubled. They just are kids that have never been given an opportunity to change. Do you know, I, I want to come back to that RTO point before, but that point about the opportunity, like, so it's been a bit of a growth thing for me over the last couple of years, because like I was talking to you, Camille, off air before, like, I went to a pretty uh, good school, and uh, like, I came from a privileged background, my dad's a lawyer, like, so we didn't really want for anything, and so I kind of always was of the view that equal opportunity, well, then why the fuck, like, you can swear on this, by the way, too, so why the fuck can't, if I can do it, why can't someone else do it, like, I've got an opportunity, and they've got an opportunity, uh, because I'm certainly not an equal outcomes guy. Uh, I still haven't got to that point. But I've, I have come to realise over the last couple of years, I reckon it's been a bit of a growth sort of thing for me to realise that n- people don't actually even get the opportunity. Forget the outcome. They don't even get the, the crack in the first place. Yeah. So um, I, I Which guess is hard for people to try to and make understand. it aware and, and an opportunity. Opportunity also has to be a choice. So my father, when he was 19 years of age, give you a background on him as well. Yeah. He's now a police officer, but his older brother is a president of a gang back in New Zealand. So oh, my right? dad's come from a whole... Wow. Has actually come from that lifestyle of drugs, yeah. of gangs, of everything. And because of his rugby footy career, yeah. it gave him an opportunity to move away and to take his young family away. So my parents were married by 19 with two kids, me yeah. being the second. Yeah. My dad made a choice to change his life and not be what he's seen his whole life. Sure. Um, and moved us away. But... Growing up, no money. Yeah. Um, we had great friends around us to provide. We were lucky that my grandparents on my mum's side lived up there to help provide food. So our upbringing was 
we had very little money, very little food, and we were getting by just to survive. Um, probably to give you a, a context as well is I was dealing weed when I was 15, 16 years old. Wow. When I was expelled from school yeah. to survive, to make money, I was kicked out of home by then. So I also made a choice to want to change my life because of my mates that I had lost. Yeah. So you can be given an opportunity, yes, but you have to take that and make that change and that choice yourself. And yeah. ultimately, that's what we're trying to give these boys. These boys come from very, very similar backgrounds. Yeah, right. And they don't often get given opportunities to change. Some people will just judge them by purely what they look like, yeah, what they dress like, their tattoos, and I guess their TNT and bum bags is, is yeah. the ultimate <laughs> stigma. TNT? TN, sorry. See, I come from old school. I wear chucks. So TNs or that look that I guess everyone has put that stigma on. These kids, that's the modern day style. Yeah. Don't put everyone in class as that. Yeah. That same lot of people. But yeah. um, I guess to explain it like that is I come from that environment. Yeah. And I guess you couldn't have a general person that's learned things through the book come and tell these boys what to do. Yeah. Because they would look at them and be like, whatever, you haven't lived a day in our life. But when it comes yeah. from someone that has lived exactly or similar lifestyle or story to these boys, um, it comes from a different angle. And we don't say, don't do this, don't do that, because, yeah. hey, we're teenagers, we will absolutely go do that. I know I would for sure. Yeah. But we give them different options or make them aware of their actions. So, yeah, right. Yeah, thought I'd explain it that way. Does it, Can I ask you, Ryan, so, I, like, I mean, extraordinarily fortunate for me to be able to talk to you today, and thanks yep. for sitting in, mate. Like, I didn't expect this at all. I thought I was going to talk to Joe. So this is unreal for me. Um, but does what... Joe's talked about ring true for you. Like, is that your experience? Like, how did yeah. you find your way into the program? Do you mind me asking? Well, um, yeah, I was getting in trouble, suspended, like, every day. I went back to school, getting expelled for dumb reasons. Then I appealed that. I wanted, went back to school because I wanted to go to school. Then I kept getting suspended. Then I got expelled for sticking up for a kid that was getting bullied. Then couldn't fight back. Then um, my I went out working, and then my youth worker, uh, he told me about this program and a different program, the mob in yeah. Southport. And um, nah, I didn't want to come. I was too shy to come. And then out of the blue, I just thought, nah, I'll go, I'll go. So I've I've come here, and yeah, it's a good program. Can I ask, <clears throat> you said you were too shy to go, so I have this all the time. Like, I am an anxious person by nature. Like, I twitch and I carry yeah, on, I bite my fingernails and stuff. And so, like, if we have, like, a street party or something, I'll be like, no, nah, I'm not going to that. Yeah, I don't want to talk to people. And yeah, yeah. so I'm the same shit. But yeah. <laughs> there's got to be something that makes you – like, what made you actually decide to go, no, nah, I'm going? I don't know. Do you know? Like, like, it's just oh, – I was saying to myself, no, nah, I don't want to go. No, I don't want to go. And then – I don't know, like I woke up in a good mood and I thought, nah, I'll go today and I came and then two weeks later the program started, so, yeah. Experience has been good so far? Yeah. 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 Like it. Ryan, for us, is um, coming very shy, very quiet. Yeah. Um, now he doesn't shut up. <laughs> and yeah. But his change, his ah. growth, his... Um, he's also a full-time carer for someone as well, and he takes a lot of responsibility on board. Last wow. week alone, he paid f out of his own money an Uber for one of the boys to get here just so that he didn't miss out on the day. 
Ryan does a lot that is not seen from the other boys that we fortunately we get to see. Yeah. And um, I guess probably how I can compare it is yeah. when I when I sometimes go on a diet and I <laughs> ask my girlfriend, "Do you lose? Do you lose? Did I lose weight? Like, babe, look, I've lost weight." She's like, "Have you?" You know. When you when you're with someone every day, yeah. sometimes you don't see that change, but yeah. we see that change every day in the boys, and that's the beautiful thing about what we do. Is firstly, we don't make any money here. We've yeah. done this out of our own pocket and with great corporate support. Yeah. But the richness for us is getting these boys, seeing these boys change. Oh, and that's enough for us to be like, let's keep going, you know. So I know my mate's jumping at the bit to get on here. So um, <laughs> <laughs> Camille Pepe, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to be honest, I'm a bit of an emotional guy. Like, so when you were saying to me a second ago that you care for someone and you pay for stuff out of your own pocket, I'm just like, fuck. Like, mm. I know some people that have plenty of material, like, capacity and they wouldn't pay for things out of their own pocket. They just don't do that. Yep. Like, I think one of the really interesting things for me is, I said this to you before, after reading that article, I was really set down a certain path of, nah, man, I would give this kid the chair and I wouldn't even blink. And then reading that article that you were quoted in, there was a couple, um, and I just remember thinking, uh, I'm way too quick to judge a book. Way, way, way too quick. And I, I would ordinarily, I'm being honest, <coughs> I would judge Ryan, and I'm ashamed to say I would, I would judge Ryan way too quickly and I wouldn't get to the real person who's actually trying to get not just himself on a better path but also other people. Like, fuck, like... You know, we all get judged because, yeah. but the only reason we're, we're who we are is because when we were little, we were maybe not everyone got abused, didn't have parents, yeah. didn't have people to open up to and yeah. talk to and let out your emotions. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. And that's the truth. Yeah, it is. Know? Yeah. See, and we. Oh, I'm an emotional guy. I'll tell yeah. you now, I'm the big guy. Me, mate. Um, <laughs> I'm bad for it. We get to sit here and, and listen to these guys' stories and their upbringings. And if I thought my life was tough, like some of these boys' stories in itself are uh, incredibly tough. Yeah. And the resilience and strength that we see in these boys daily. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Amazing. Like, it's this is why we do what we do. Yeah. Now, I understand that people can sit there and, you know, God bless those, those two beautiful souls that got hit by that car. But yeah. a lot of these kids don't get given an opportunity to change. Yeah. They're told that they're little shits. Yeah. They're told that they're troubled youth, that they're only going to end up here, that they're not going to be nothing. Yeah. And you start believing that as a kid. You know. Yeah. What we do is when they come in, we tell these kids, we love you. You are going to be something. You can yeah. be something. Look at who you are. Now these boys are opening up just like Ryan is. Yeah. We're giving them a safe space to come to get whatever they feel off their chest. Otherwise, I explain it like a Coke bottle. If you don't express yourself, you're constantly a shaked-up Coke bottle. Yeah. And when you eventually get the chance to react, it might be through violence, through drugs, through stealing a car, through running away from the cops, and who knows Yeah. whatever the outcome could be. We let these boys come and openly talk to us about what they're feeling, what their experiences, their traumas are, and we give them a chance to, to change. And be real people, and um, without judgment here, without that stigma attached, and with open arms is, is ultimately what we create for them. Do do does that opportunity not exist 
out. Like when I say the system, I mean broader like government like programs that like you're talking about youth workers and services like I'm not really familiar with it. But does that sort of support not exist already? Like some youth workers out there, they don't care for their well, I don't like their teen like their teenagers they have to yeah. look after like they just care about their paycheck at the end of the day. Yeah. Like my sister, when she left home at the age of 15 and she went on ice and everything, her youth worker was telling her, go to the police and say, your mum assaulted you so you can get your own payments just to support your drug addiction. You know, your youth worker is meant to be there to actually help you when, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, not And I was lucky enough to actually have a youth worker that, was there for me, like, back a couple of years ago when I tried to uh, commit suicide. My youth worker was with his, um, with another teenager. And yeah. um, when he got the phone call, he took them home and he came into the hospital. He kept checking on me every day, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. not every youth worker is like that. Like, no, they just care about their paycheck. And that's like, the police, they care about their paycheck, you know? Like, you don't get to have your say, like... At the end of the day, like, like, the police will it, like say say if you assault someone, they'll believe that person and not like, but hear your side of the story. They'll go to what yeah the person you've hurt. You know what I mean? Like yeah, we just get judged too much when you yeah know, we can judge. We could judge each other, but yeah. We don't, you know what I mean? Like, we get judged. You're not giving, you're not being given a fair opportunity yeah. to at least even explain your side of events. Yeah. You know, and like, it, you have to, like, not take it for granted, but like, you have to be like grateful that you, if you do get a good youth worker, you have to take it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's some youth workers out there, like, um, that won't help you. Yeah, right. Well, Daniel, your youth worker through. Calwan, um, he wasn't even Ryan's youth worker. He previously was. Yeah, he was. But he heard about the program. I went and had a meeting with him and he goes, I know just the guy that needs this. It, it, I'm not his youth worker anymore, but I'm going to push him into the program. And he sent me the details and we tried and tried and tried to get, get through to you because we knew how valuable this sort of environment can be for the right kids too. They, they, they need to be able to accept ESWAV's program and buy into it just as much. So that's where we see the biggest change. Like in the first program, Kai, for instance, was that we, we had an open day, our first open day, and Kai ran through the, the door crying and going... And swearing and just, just a mess really. And his mum come come flying in the door and goes, "Oh, are we are we here yet? Are we here yet? Yeah. Did we miss it?" And we've gone, "No, you're the actual first person through the door. We've been <laughs> waiting for someone." Yeah. And here you came. Here, here Kai came through, and he couldn't put two words together. Um, and now he is a part of society, glowing earning money and just living a changed life. And Kai's story is just one of the biggest 
um, rewards for us and each and every kid has their, has their own story but you know for Ryan Daniel his youth worker reached out to me and said here's Ryan's details he needs to be in your program um, and we can see the results now yeah probably touching back on the numbers thing um, I'm looking at my mate Stephen Henry's award yeah and Steve and, and quick credit out to our mate Steve uh, he's been working for us for the last probably 12 months now without a paycheck yeah because of really uh, he actually lost his son in the system um, no by way. being treated as a number as well and for us that's why we don't treat anyone here as a number um, we're the ones that pick up the phone after five o'clock. We're the ones that go and visit these boys during the weekend when they can't get a hold of the youth workers and, and all these other people that are supposed to be there for them. Um, there are some great uh, organisations out there that do help these boys and there are some good youth workers as well. Yeah, yeah. of course, yeah. Probably my personal experiences that I've had with some of them is that it certainly is just a paycheck for them. Um, sometimes it's sort of they just drop their kids off here and run don't even ask how are the boys going or mm. s- some of the things are like good luck with him. It's yeah. like wow. when you hear that it's just like I smile, we all smile and laugh because it's like they're yeah. just they're gonna be another beautiful person once we're finished with them. Like yeah. it's always been our attitude with whoever w- walks through the door. Um and shout out to Kai as well, man, that follows working for Top Gun Landscaping. Yeah. Um so he is just fulfilling his dreams. Um and he actually rung up Probably about three months ago, he started a side bank account and yeah. he's putting five ten dollars a week away to donate it back to Suave. And oh, I said to him, nah, bro, that's for you." <laughs> and when he told me that, he just he just said, "Brother, like I know how important this work is. I want to yeah. just play my part by giving back." And that's all we've ever told these boys is one day when you get an opportunity to pay it forward, yeah, pay it forward without expectation. So um, that's why we love what we do, man. Dude, that's unreal. <laughs> Oh, you're going to get me all day. <laughs> oh, man, that is unreal. Do you know what's um, crazy? He's like, you talked earlier about the RTO situation. Like, I acted for a client once who was an RTO for, like, actual workplace training and stuff, but very much interested in this space. And that was some of the discussions we were having with them. And you could tell by the discussion that they weren't, of this mindset at all they were very much it was a numbers game in and out get as much money as you can as much funding through as you can and then and like when you're talking about some of the youth workers obviously they're very good ones as in any profession but like when you're talking about the ones who are not as engaged surely there's a time in which they look at themselves and go well well they only develop because they've had a bad outcome we can't you know, we can't judge them because they're no. a bad youth worker. But, like, no. it's just how they were brought up. Yeah. You know what I mean? I do. Yeah, yeah and, and that's, like, I'm, I'm glad Ryan said that. It's because that's for everyone in general. Yeah. Like, the way yeah, people act, we know that's because there's there's something there in the past or whatever is holding on to them. Um, and I guess that's why knowing my upbringing, knowing these boys' upbringing is – when you come from that, you you can't judge people by what they look like or by the way they're acting. Yeah. Um, because you don't know what they've experienced or what they've gone through. Yeah. 
No, so it, that's why we absolutely don't hold any judgment towards any of these kids because it's yeah. like there's something there why they're acting like that. Yeah. Um, I'll give you an example. Like at the beginning of the program, one of our boys always laughed. Have you seen that the Joker movie and his reaction? Oh, to yeah, yeah, Was yeah, to laugh yeah. at anything? Yeah. He was abused his whole life, sexually abused his whole life, and the only way that he could react was to laugh. So any situation here was he would laugh, but then some of the boys would take it the wrong way. Like, what are you fucking laughing at? But it's like, hold on, boys. Your way is through, your re- way of reacting is through violence or fighting or taking drugs. His way is laughing, and we yeah. knew the reason why. So it's just um, when you, I guess, be aware and and don't look at the surface level of their actions or or what they're doing, and then you start to dig deeper. You you sort of then really um, become non-judgmental at all because of knowing certain stories and and wow. upbringing to the people. Do you know what's crazy? This is a bit off topic, but like I don't. What I find troubling or worrying for me is I don't know if society is heading in a direction where we're being less judgmental. It's almost like social media is ramping up the judgment as fast and as quickly as possible. And like, am I right? Like, you're a media. I agree, and I think the media's got a lot to play in that. Yeah, Uh, I think the way um, you know, once they get a particular point, yeah, let's say at the moment it's about youth crime, yeah. Um, they hammer it. Oh. And we all naturally sit there and go to little shits they deserve to be you know, yeah. given a whack and locked up. Yeah. Um, but I agree. I don't think as a society we're growing, uh, especially with youth care. Yeah. Um, and taking a minute to try and give them other opportunities rather than locking them up. Yeah. You know, giving them alternative learning programs and a chance. Yeah. Just a voice, just a cuddle, just a... Yeah. Probably for me, I'm going to put Camille on the spot and ask yeah. her a question. <laughs> yeah, um, Camille has always come in, and every ever since I've known Camille, she's always operated from her heart space. Um, she's a person that would give her shirt off her back if she had nothing else to give. Um, probably for me, my mate, what is? I remember you asking me what does suave mean to me, um, and to me, it means everything. What does suave mean to you? Um, apart from raising my children, which is one of the, my greatest achievements, mm. my greatest achievement, my greatest feeling, or my greatest days are coming in and yeah, right. chatting to the boys. Yeah, it truly, they yeah beautiful humans. Yeah, um, they're very grateful for things that we're not grateful. Oh, <laughs> yes. Like, to say that they're grateful yes. that they had a warm bed last night. Yeah, is something that we wouldn't do in our gratitude. Oh. Because it's just a given that we got a warm bed. Yeah. Um, they could say they're grateful that you know they got a hug, or they're yeah. grateful for the camaraderie that they get yeah. here. You know, they're. I think things that we take for granted, and I learn from these boys every day, and I love yeah. seeing them, seeing yeah. their growth, and listening to their stories and their personalities yeah. coming out. Yeah. Yeah, they're very kind, decent humans. Very. Very. Evidently. Yeah. Like listening to Ryan's story before, like I've literally heard half a percent of what's going on in your life. But like, yeah, as I said, I know plenty of people that don't help others and they've got the means financially to do so. They just don't. It's just not in their nature. They're too self-absorbed. They're worrying about what Instagram's got. Money changes people. Like people yeah. say money doesn't change, but you get a certain amount of money, you change your life. You don't care for I think it can change. 
We nah. can change for the better too. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, well, it depends on your mindset. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, I do. I, I see. I like these conversations as well because everyone um, has their views on 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 money and, and yeah, exactly. opinions and things like that as well. And yeah, probably one thing as well is Camille. She comes in here, volunteers here happily. Like yeah. she loves coming here. She's yeah. fortunate enough to be in a space. Um, that she can offer her time. And I think what I wanted to show the boys, um, we were lucky that we got to go to Camille's house and um, play on their jet skis and toys and all and that. The but tubing and that. Well, that hurt my ass. <laughs> I, I wanted to show the boys, like, I wanted to show the boys do, eh? that not, like, not to judge people on yeah. what they have or yeah. what they might look like. Like, when the boys sat down and Todd and Camille got to tell their story to the boys that... Yeah. Todd worked two jobs, he was fruit packing like and yeah. to, to where he is now. I wanted to show and highlight to the boys that you can come from nothing or anything and become something. Oh yeah. And, absolutely. And for Camille to be here and, and then open up her home to us and same with Toddy. Um yeah. and then to show the boys, brothers, this didn't fall from the sky. This come no. with hard, hard work, work and goals and that's what I wanted to show the boys is you can have all this money if you put your effort and time and, and set goals to do it. So I'm super grateful. Do you know what I reckon though? Like you talked before about like some of your early influences sort of um, and some people don't have the opportunity to have someone good in their life like to, to guide them. I didn't know this about my old man, right? So I only found this out last Friday. I was at my daughter's <coughs> school fate and grandparents came along. And, and so he said to me, I struggled all through school. I didn't do well at all. I didn't know this. Because he got a scholarship to uni and, like, he worked at good firms. And so I thought he must have been killing it. He said it was only in year 11. He said he had uh, a teacher show interest in him and that was it. And he said that one teacher showed interest in me. It was that one person. That belief. And it changed his life. He said, I finally realised that if I just applied myself, I'd have someone who would actually take the time and back me. But it's interesting, like, you're talking about Toddy. Like, people don't make themselves in vacuums like he would have had the support of you along the way and other people and family and it's interesting like hearing that i think there's if people have support and someone to back them and believe in them they can oh it's their foundation it's their backspine you know it's um having support and belief like not only like firstly we teach the boys like You've got to believe in yourself before anyone's going to believe in you. You've got to forgive yourself before anyone forgives you. And if you want to love someone, you've got to love yourself. Like, Gee, that's tough though. Oh, believe in yourself. It is, but firstly, the most important person is yourself. Yeah. That's my mindset anyway. Yeah. That, that's always been my personal view on things. Um, and I I explain that because I always seek the external validation. Yeah, me too. So yeah. I Bad. would always post things on my social media like the old me um, to get as many likes as possible to feel validated I would have as many friends as possible to feel validated where yeah. all that really didn't mean much at no. the end of the day um, and so why I I use my personal growth and my personal journey um, to give these boys exercises is for them to understand that opinions and external validation it's not oh. the be all end all it's, no. um, it's nice but it doesn't mean everything so. Nah, <laughs> I grew up like that. Like I, I very much wanted to please people and and get validation from others that I was doing a good job. And well, we all did. Yeah, you do. It's natural. No, no. Sorry, go. On. 
That's what I had to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you do, you do. I'm with you, mate. Like, I, I honestly, I did. And, like, I, I mean, there's still part of you that does, but you've got to rein it in and realise that you can do your own things and you can be satisfied with what you're doing and you don't need validation from others to feel good. Absolutely. Which is Absolutely. the craziest part because, like, it's such yeah. a mind shift. I know for me anyway. Like, this is a bit of yeah. a therapy session. I use these things as therapy for me. Oh, it's beautiful, like... It, Every Wednesday we yeah. have what we call a well-being day, but it's essentially a, a open therapy session as well. Yeah, um, it's a chance for us to retouch on how the boys are going, whether it be at home or here or whatever it is. So every Wednesday is our dedicated well-being well, day where we sometimes every day. Yeah, not just Wednesday. Well, well every day, yes, every morning. Yeah, so gratitude. every morning we have healthy conversations. Firstly, yeah. we start off with gratitude. What are you grateful for? Yeah, and even when the boys first started. It was hard for them to find one thing to be grateful for, but it's like, brothers, you guys have a roof over your head, you have food in your stomach, you are here safe. Like, when you start looking at the positives in life instead of worrying about all the, the negative things that you can't control, yeah, um, that's what we try to do here. Is yeah. Focus on the positives and the mental well-being of every student is our most... I think that's our biggest strength there is being able to... Um, connect on a different level with these boys and generate yeah. healthy conversations exactly like we're having now. Yeah. Because you can sit there with your mates and have beers and then you have those <laughs> drunk conversations, but the next day most people don't remember it or, or it didn't really happen. Yeah. When you can sit there and openly have conversation in front of your peers, in front of your mates, you become vulnerable. You become... Um, your walls are let down, you know, and yeah. you, you have healthy conversations. And the amount of times Ryan could probably speak on this when the boys have spoken about how they truly feel. Yeah. Um, where else can you do that? Where else can you go? It's tough. Do you think that's progressed over time, Ryan? Like for you, like so you, when you started, do you think your ability to open up and be honest and share your thoughts and feelings has grown? Yeah. 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 A lot. Yeah. It's like, you know... Some of us here, you know, it we didn't have a father figure. Yeah. You know, and people that do have a father figure, you see, like, they can open up. Yeah. And, you know, like, it's like at a certain age, a girl needs a dad yeah. in life. You know what I mean? It's the same yeah. with a boy. Oh, yeah, definitely. There's, there's a certain time he needs his mum and then a certain time he needs his dad. Yeah. Like, my dad was never there for me because his dad was never there for him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, his grandma, because his grandma looked after him. He didn't know his parents. Yeah. And then, um, so now I got he, he he chose a girl over me. Yeah. He and every time he calls me now, I just press the client. Yeah. Because he was never there for me. I don't know who he is. I don't know what to talk about. You know what yeah. I mean? So, if he was there, like for ev like if everyone's dad was there for them, they would be able to open up and talk and you know what I mean. I do. Like, yeah. Probably Ryan for you, bro. What sort of father are you going to be? Yeah, that's what I'm interested so, um, in. Yeah. When you're going to get an opportunity to be there for my kids, not yeah, you know what I mean. Like not choose something over my kids. You know what I mean. Like it's going to change their life. You know what yeah. I mean. Yeah. If if dad's not there for their kids, yeah, it's no go. And that's where that's what we're giving to these kids is a chance to break that yeah. cycle, as a chance bro. to change that generational trauma or hand down. You know, because it is. They're only doing and seeing what they've seen their whole life. Mate. But we get a, a chance to give the guys an opportunity and to make them aware of what is actually happening so that they can be a better father, be learnt, a better man. It is learned behaviour. It is. Like, my brother... So, um, my grandparents on my mum's side are very 
traditional Sicilians, like old school, and if you fuck up, you're in deep shit. Like my, I didn't know this, but my mum and her sisters and brothers would be made to sleep outside if they didn't do something. Like it was tough. And so I said this to you earlier, growing up, like we were thrashed, my brother and I, like my brother bad, like he would wear trackies in summer because he didn't want to. So it was tough. But like to your point about it makes you want to change your behaviour, I look at that and go, well, I'm not going to beat my kids. No way. Like, I, I certainly discipline them, but I'm not. It is interesting, though, like, breaking that cycle is so tough. So, like, hats off to you, mate, for when you get there. Yeah. It's tough because Fuck. you've got to be aware yeah. that you're doing it. And that's yeah. what makes it tough is when you don't know that you're doing something that you've seen your whole life, it, it's a normal behaviour. But when you're actually consciously being aware of, oh, that was happening to me, I'm not going to do that. These kids are mature beyond their years, you know. Like, yeah. they've grown up. I... I didn't Dude. catch my behaviours till I was like it took me twenty eight years to realise that my my stubbornness from my father, I was never wrong. Yeah. Like I wondered why I'd get in heated arguments is because I could never see yeah. their side of the story. And when I become aware of it, um, that made me change my whole like mindset to things. Like yeah. so it's if you don't know that you're doing it, your actions are your behaviours are you're just doing what you're doing. But when you become aware of it, that's a whole different level. And these boys are becoming aware of the actions because they're talking about it. Yeah. Like, oh, actually, that's why. So yeah. So what happens after the program finishes? So it's a ten week program. Actually, can you run me through the program just in broad terms? Yep. I so want to give away your IP. But um, no, no, that's okay. <laughs> we will do it in very broad terms, but. It is a 10-week program. The first two weeks, the first week is all based on knowing who we are. We've got to build that trust with these youth, otherwise they're not going to listen to you or give a fuck about about who you are. Once you build that trust and relationship with these kids, um, they're able to let us into their life, start talking about who they truly are and what they've gone through. The following eight weeks is so every Monday and Tuesday we do practical and theory. Mm -hmm. We do foundation skills here. Um, So for us, we're trying to get them job ready. Right. Every Wednesday is Wellbeing Day where we, it's like a reset or a refresh day where uh, we do ice baths. Uh, oh, I, I saw them down there. I won't, I won't touch that. another exercise. <laughs> I'm such I a I not ice baths, yeah. <laughs> ice baths are practice so that. It's good. Like I do cold like showers. That's it. Why do you do it? It's because you consciously breathe through it. It's yeah. the same with these guys and it actually helps with anxiety. It so does, yeah, that's why I do that's it. That's exactly why we do ice baths here is to teach them to get themselves out of the flight or fight mode. Yeah. And then we also, Tuesday, uh, Thursday, Friday, we do practical and theory. Yeah, right. Um, the practicals we do do here are donated back to the community. So oh, right, okay, yeah. So it's about giving these boys a sense of, I done that, I built that, and like giving them that empowerment of providing and being part of society. Um we won't give away too many of our No, secrets, no, no, don't. don't. But, but the yeah. end goal for us is absolutely to get them into employment, yeah. um, whether that's traineeship or apprenticeship. So it's one of those things, if we don't get their, their mental well-being right, yeah. then the qualifications are hard to do. Once we've done the qualifications, if they don't have somewhere to go with it, they're going to end up back in the environment eventually. Yeah. So if we can look after the well-being qualifications and put them straight into employment, that's what we do here at Suave. So... Success rate's pretty high too, from what I've seen. Massively, mate. Yeah. So the 12 that started with us in the last program, yeah. 10 went through, That's 9 nuts. are now qualified, and 9 of them are now into full-time employment or further education. Yeah. Do you know what is honestly crazy about that stat? Is that like that's a good stat if you're not talking about people who have difficult or troubled backgrounds. Like like that's just a good stat full stop. Yeah. So people are like, oh, wow. if you get one through, 
great. Yeah. And we're like, no, we're getting everyone through. That's our mentality here is no one's no one's going to fail. Yeah. And, and when you have a mentality like that, like, no, no, we're not getting 50% through or, or 60% through. Our main focus is always to get everyone through. Yeah. Now that hasn't happened, but that's always been our mindset is to get everyone through as much as possible. That I think comes from their rugby background of yeah. teamwork and yeah. holding, you know, each person in the team accountable for their part of the win. And this is what this program creates is is life wins for these kids and yeah. life changing moments. So, yeah. you know, it's I see it as a sliding door moment that the moment that they come through this door is is their oh, yeah. change so um yeah massively sliding doors because you could either you could go back to as you said but you know what i think was interesting you how you talked about like you give back to the community and the practical aspect of the work you're doing you probably are also not just helping the the boys that's what i'm going to ask is it girls as well or just boys no, no, girls, girls as well, as well. Yep. You're also giving the community the opportunity to see people through a different lens and yeah. not make that first assessment, which is, no, I'm not giving them a chance. Yeah. Like what you were saying before, I'm not letting them rent this space out. Yeah. You're actually connecting them and the ki- the people who are there connecting can see that they're just normal people. Yeah. Absolutely you normal people. Give them a crack. Just like, yeah. Give them Fuck. a crack, give them a chance. Um, I, I think in general, people are very judgmental. Oh, dude. <laughs> um, I'm... And if, if we can stop judging people on what they may look like or their tattoos or whatever it is, let people be themselves. Let people dress the way they want to dress and have tattoos and not put stigma attached to them and attach them with everyone else. And I think that's what, uh, what humans in general are very good at is opinions and judging. And it's like if we can not judge them and get to know them before um, looking at what they look like externally and start talking to these kids... You'll see the the smiles from ear to ear everywhere. We get to experience that every day from... Dude, what a rewarding experience. Martin Luther King said it. Judge them by the content of their character, not the colour of their skin or the tattoo or whatever their hair colour is or whatever. It doesn't matter. Are you judging my hair colour? No, not really. (laughs) Mate, I'm thinning, so I have no... (laughs) Oh, my wife's on to me about losing my hair at the front because it used to be thick and she's like, I don't like it. Can I ask, what are the challenges and hurdles that you face here? Like, because, so, yeah, like, we don't have five hours to go, but, like, Do I mean. Do you want to start? Nah, you, you start. She's being shy, everyone. <laughs> um, honestly, bro, we face hurdles and barriers almost daily here. Right. Um, some parents, they don't even motivate the kid to get here. Really? Um, it's sort of like they've got to fend for themselves and jump on the train and get there yourself. We struggle with that. Yeah. Uh, we've certainly struggled with some carers um, that just don't want to get their kids here. We've struggled with uh, <laughs> some services that uh, want to drop their kids off but not help us in any way. Yeah, right. Like for us, if we can help these kids together whether that be parent, family, services, us and the kid work together, it's only going to help that kid even more. Yeah. Um, but at the moment, sometimes it feels like the kids are just getting dropped off to us and then we have to do everything without anyone else's support. Yeah. Like we're supposed to be the, the miracle workers. Absolutely, we will put as much time and effort that we can into these kids, but financials is another thing we face daily. Yeah. Um, we've got all these great government services that, refer into our program 
but, but no they don't one wants to contribute to your program. Contribute to it. Wow. Um, we're lucky that we've had the Gold Coast City Council, City Council. Um, they look after us, not massively, but they've put some funds towards education purposes. Oh, right. Um, they can see the value in it. Yep. Queensland Police have been helpful towards us. They absolutely see the value in it. Um, but Camille and Todd Pepper. Camille and Todd Pepper. <laughs> um, <laughs> Bill Henderson from OPD. They've yeah. they've contributed it to it. Um, we have corporate involvement, bro. So um, Mike Loney from Ausbuild. We got Greystone on board. Greg Batomsky. Um, we've got like. Because of the hurdles that we face and the barriers we face, especially with um, finances, yeah, we get these directors that come in and want to be a part of the program and happily put their money into what we're doing. They also then become a mentor to these boys. Yeah. Some of them also open up employment opportunities. So these leaders out in the community absolutely see the value and want to be a part of it. Fending out it like digging into their own pockets to help us, but these government services again... yeah. Um, yeah, want to drop all their kids off, see the value, love the program, but can't help us. And at the moment, we've been doing this for uh, probably 14 months now out of our own pockets. Yeah. And still don't get any help. What about you, Camille? What are other barriers that we've faced? Barriers. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I think um, we've got so much recognition out there for much needed programs. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah especially in Gold Coast. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Gold Coast. Yeah. And Logan, Beanley. Yeah. Um, um, but, yeah, just not the uh, hand in the pocket to give us a hand to... Yeah. Because we can make this program better. We're still learning. Yeah. Um, and I think I just want to say, with what Joey said, you know, a lot of the youth services and parents, etc., don't commit to the program and support yeah. the children or the kids. But the kids especially in this program, have committed themselves. And yeah. they get their own yeah. gear. Uh, we pick them up from the train station, but they're making the effort to get up in the morning, yeah. start their day with a routine, and willingly come yeah. in. They don't have to come. No. They don't have to show up each day. Yeah. And right. We're trying to knock on as many doors as we can. I think there's a collaboration from all government departments that have a you know, say in what this program, what, um, you know, fingers it reaches because it's not just Queensland Police, it's not, it's the Department of Education, the Department of Small Business and Training, Department of Children's Services. There's probably Jeez. 10 different government departments that all see value in what this program does. Um, and myself and Camille sit um, and communicate every day by going, all right, we just need a roundtable with all the departments to say each one can invest a little bit of money in helping it to continue because we're, the boys are at the stage now that, um, you know, it's hard to keep the doors open. Yeah. And I, for, for the love of me, can't see why we're not getting any response to program continuation and, and growing it to to affect more change in in society it's it's a it's a shame and it's appalling that you know the federal state and local governments can't see this as a worthwhile investment the worthwhile investment part like i mean you referenced the gold coast there's a need down this area upper gold coast 
there seems to be like a growing need for it, like a crime wave and spate of issues that are sort of just like it's snowballing. It's not going. Yeah. It's not getting better. It's it's certainly not getting better. Um, and I, I think that come like we see all over the news. There's so many job opportunities and, and so many things that, like, if we can get these kids into employment, like when you're bored and you're a teenager, oh, you're going to message your friends and you're going to go do things that, What's that sometimes they're going to be stupid. Idle hands of the devils, yeah. something tools or something. Yeah. Like it's true yeah. when you don't have anything to yep. do. You, yeah, my kids are the same. Absolutely. Naughty little so fuckers. What we're trying to do is <laughs> keep these kids busy and put them into employment. Yeah. Um, and that's the, the biggest problem as well is some of these kids are so smart, they know the system inside out and they know how yeah. to manipulate it. Yeah. They know how to get what they want. And sometimes my experiences as well is the prescription drugs down here have been a huge oh, issue. Really? Um, these kids are able to ring up and say that they're depressed or suicidal and get prescribed a prescription over the phone underage and go and pick up what? drugs. So they know the system. They know how to manipulate it. Um, they know how to get what they need, and, and that's been our biggest issues. How do they prescribe drugs underage? Over the phone? Over the phone. Do I can't even get a fucking referral to see a specialist <laughs> over the phone, <laughs> yep, yep. and yet you can get... Pre- oh, Without that the parents' permission. Yep. And these are the like these are just some of the issues that we deal with, you know? Some of the issues, we can't get identification for these boys because they might not have a Medicare card. Some of these kids don't have a birth certificate. Some of these kids don't have all of these, so... Well, they don't have nothing. Well, they yeah. don't have anything. Some of the kids we deal with are homeless. And then so we go to Centrelink and it's like, well, this is the situation. We can't help you. So it's like, hold on. We're trying to get these kids employed into work, but we can't get them a tax file number because they don't have this. Well, some hold on. The situation is they don't have a father or mother. They don't even know where some of them are born. So these are so just... you can't fix. Yeah, you most can't of them help. are born in, like, uh, care. You know what I mean? Like yeah. So <laughs> these are judged for being in care, but that's not our fault. You know, yeah, exactly, mate. Well, so you yeah, imagine if, if we're only dealing with the small amount of people and we get to help them, you imagine how many other kids are out there oh, heaps. that are incognito that might not even belong on any government system. Yeah. And we are dealing with these kids that we can't get identification for, therefore no one they can't get Centrelink. They can't get payments, they can't get a job, and this is what we deal with. This is the people we deal with. Do you know, this is very, very, very different, but uh, we I've got a nephew who's really disabled, like severely. No diagnosis, no nothing. Like, no one can work out what's wrong with him. He's about 11, but he would be effectively like a six-week-old child. Like, he's just... And we couldn't get a... Di- they, parents couldn't get a diagnosis for him. So he just slips through the cracks. He's not diagnosed with anything, gets no support. They can't put him on an NDIS program. And you think, what the fuck is going on? Like, he's clearly unwell. Let's. Oh, there should be some, like, miscellaneous category. And, and but same, it's Bureaucratic red tape. Yeah, I don't understand yeah. how that works. But when you find out what the diagnose, or however you say that yeah, word. Diag- yeah, yeah, I've got you. Um, everyone around you that... To, there to support that child. Yeah. Say, no, nah, I knew it was that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's where it yeah, stuffs up, but you didn't say, you know, like, no. my mum got diagnosed with some severe mental health at, or she knew it, something happened at 18, like, yeah. She knew she had something. And yeah. she's only just found out a couple, like, a year or two ago, or three years ago. And her family's been saying, oh, I knew that. And then my mum's like, 
But why don't you say nothing? You know what I mean? Like, it's it just you know what I mean? Like they say, oh, I, I knew what that was. I knew you had that. Yeah. And they didn't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? These are just like small things that might mean not much to other people, but it's they do everything matter. Everything here, it it matters greatly to these boys. Like. When you can't get identification or anything like that, and that's what we struggle to deal with every day. And then we go to these government services and they're just like, we can't do anything. It's just like, well, we're trying to do what we can. Like, why can't you do anything? It's yeah. just so much red tape, so much... Um, oh, it, it's, yeah. It's very so many hard. people say they can't help. Yeah. Too hard there, there, there needs to be a, we can help. Figure out yeah, a way to help department. Figure yeah. out a bloody yeah. way. Yeah. That's it. It's yeah. a hard basket. Um, yeah. And like, I, I mean, probably a good 80% of our boys don't have identification. Wow. And that's only the boys that are coming to us. So these kids that are out there doing all this crime and, and aren't doing anything, they can't get help. They're, wow. they're not recognised in the system. They're so how can you help what you can't count? or that's can't? It. Like mm. you, yeah. They, don't, that's care, like they don't care that they're getting locked up. They're getting fed. They've got a roof over their head. Oh, happily, I know some of the boys that happily oh, said, <laughs> look, I'll... I'll one of our boys um, now lives with my business partner because we found him sleeping up in the in the uh, botanical gardens. Jesus. Then he just said to us, I'd rather get locked up, at least it's warm and I get fed there. Yeah. Like that's unfortunately the reality of some of these situations is that it's, it's better to be locked up, do a crime and try to get some money because I can't get it, I can't get on any Centrelink payment or anything that like that. That is so fucking crazy. Yep. Like that is... And, and that's why, like, we're, we're oh. judging these kids going, oh, fucking hell, they're just naughty, troubled kids. Like, they do it all the time. Yes, they do it all the time because, and I can use Kai as an example. Kai, who's now working full-time, from 10 to 15 years of age, he was breaking into cars and stealing from homes to survive. We asked him, bro, why are you doing that? Well, no one would give me an opportunity. No one would take me into a program. He's now working full-time and has not has been off the drugs and has been clean, has not been in court since working. But That's how because can he not have an opportunity? This is what I don't understand. Since like he started the program. Since he started, since the, he started the program. program. And, and it's, you know... It's but is there no support for, like, at a 10 years old? My little girl's seven in three, in two months. So it's nothing. not far. How does that happen? I don't understand. Like they you know, judge a book by its cover. And then also, like, mm. you, you flip it on the other coin, as some of these kids know the home situation, they don't want to reach yeah, out for help because they're scared of what the, the parents, what the parents yeah. and the police, what they're going to do. Yeah. Some of these kids don't want ID because they don't want to know their upbringing. They, don't, they think that someone else is going to come in their life and give them away again. So, like... Dude, that's what I was thinking about before. When you were talking about, um, you were saying that, you know, like there are a whole heap of people that we don't know about that are incognito that we wouldn't even know that they need help. Mm. That's what I was thinking. There'd be a ton of people at home who wouldn't want to speak out, wouldn't want to reach out yeah. for fear of reprisal from parents yeah. or uncles or family, aunties, yeah. whatever. And, and unfortunately wow. that's the reality of the situation is, yes, absolutely, youth crime is skyrocketing down here it's because a lot of these boys and girls can't get help. They can't get on any system and... Um, yeah, <laughs> it's super, super hard. And that was one of the questions I wanted to ask. Why? Like, what? Okay, so, okay, balls out. Honestly, I don't understand it from my perspective. And that's yeah. why I wanted to talk, is because I yeah. wanted to get a different view from someone yeah. who's either been through it or seen it firsthand. Yeah. What prompts someone to go at that age, I've got to break into a car, I've got to stab someone, to, I've got to steal to something? To survive. To survive. You know, like to eat, to have money. 
you, you break into someone's house, there's valuable things. You go, get that, you sell it, and you make money. Yeah. They don't have parents. They don't have a home. You yeah. know, some have to sleep out under a bridge yeah. at the shops. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I do. And they're not getting a, a chance that to live in a house like we all do. You know what I mean? Like yeah. We, like that, a couple of weeks, or how long was it ago? When we had that, or me and mum had that fight. Uh, yeah, probably three or four weeks ago. About three or four weeks ago, me and my mum had, and my brother had a very bad fight, and um, she didn't want me to come home. And yeah. um, I come in here, and I, uh, I wasn't going to come in here today, uh, that day, but then um, I was talking to Joe about it, and then Joe went and stayed at my uh, Geeks' house, and then um, he said, oh, you go home, see if you can stay. If you can't, call me up. Geeks had, um, it was a real bad fight. And um, Geeks let me stay at his house, even though he knew what I'd done and I was I was going to do, um, where he had a younger kid and his uh, partner that's pregnant. And he let me stay that night, you know what I mean? He, he gave me a chance. Not everyone gets a chance like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like... To yeah. look after you. Yeah. What would you have done if you didn't have a house? Yeah. Or somewhere yeah. to stay? And that's what we look at. Yeah. It's like, I'm not going to let you out in the street or go and do this because you're pissed off. My first priority is always to make sure these boys are safe. Yeah. And not give them that chance to go and maybe make a dumb choice or irrational decision. And um, unfortunately, these kids are making choices, like Ryan said, because there's no one there to say what's right or wrong. There's yeah, that's one of the other things, yeah. There's never, uh, there's no repercussions if they break in, you know. Some of these kids absolutely are breaking in. And they know they're not doing it intentionally to um, to hurt anyone yeah. or to take it off them. It's because they're just trying to survive. Other than ringing Joe and Giggs, Ryan probably didn't have an option B. Yeah. You know. Yeah, no that, option that's, B. And, and that's been... A number of kids through the program they've highlighted. Um, we ring the youth um, for one of the other kids, the youth worker, and they said, "Oh, it's after five. Jesus, um, ring me on weekend, Monday. Yeah, like, and it's Friday. <laughs> I was lucky what about the weekend? With my yeah. youth worker, he actually gave me his personal number. Yeah, right. Which he shouldn't Doesn't have happen. because yeah. he was my youth worker. He could have got in trouble for that, but he did give me my oh his personal number. You know what I mean? To like. To, um, emergency. Yeah, emergency, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. not, There's not many youth workers out there that are like that. There's a, um, the response was take him to the hospital. Take him to the hospital, make up an excuse and... Oh, he'll have a bed for the night. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he'll have a bed for the night. And can't my frustration was, um, my be. frustration was, hold on, so where's your duty of care if you say... You really care about this person because that's what the conversation was. But ring me on Monday because I, I'm just about to finish work. Like, yeah, I got a dress up party yeah, to go to. Yeah, that's it. It's like, well, hold on then. So I told her, well, he's going to be staying with me, and she said to me, "You can't do that. You're not allowed him staying there." I said, "I give a fuck about this person. I yeah. care, and I don't want him out on the street." So I looked after him for the weekend. Wow. And um, man, honestly, like we have these stories. All the time. All the time. All the time. Dude, that is so crazy that this is a regular occurrence and not a yeah. one-off. But do you know what you were just saying, Jeremy, then? Like, uh, it's kind of embarrassing sort of having these conversations on my end because I'm so ignorant to yeah, it. Yeah. Like, and, like when you're saying no plan B, no alternative, I was just thinking about it and I thought if I had had – and so we did fight with my mum a lot. 
But I knew that I could go to my grandmas or my aunties or any number of people that were in my life that would have homed me or housed me. Whereas some people just don't have that, evidently. Like, it, it just doesn't exist. And yet, like, again, embarrassingly for me, I was pretty quick to judge people like you, Ryan. I'm not proud of it. I'm embarrassed saying it. But, like, I would have. I would have just said, well, why the fuck would you do that? Yeah. But I, I wasn't in that position. You and were brought up in di- differently. Yeah, and, and some of these kids, like, when it comes back to the option B or C, some of these kids don't even have family. Yeah. Like, these kids were given away when they were yeah. younger. They've been brought up in foster care. They're in the care of the government and they've been handed around from person to person to person. And some experiences that we've had here is oh, just another program or just some more people that are going to walk out on my life. But when they realise that we don't give up or we don't walk away, they stay, they turn up every day and that's why these boys are continually turning up every day. Um, this doesn't work for us, brother. This is no. Our, this is our purpose in life. I think the fact that Steve turns up every day, Daniel, Camille, I turn up every day, and we don't make money for this <coughs> yeah. proves how important and how passionate what we do is um, because we know of very similar stories. But, um, and yeah. it's not ignorance, bro. Like, I think these conversations are very good conversations to have yeah. to make it important uh, to highlight to people that this is actually what's going on and the scenario. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, it, it, these kids aren't just doing it for no reason like there's reasons why look some of these kids absolutely they have everything and they're just doing it because they're you know they're being little shits yeah but the majority of it then bro are doing it because they have nothing like my uncle he's um he was i don't know how old he was he's so he would have been like 12 13 and my mum was 14 she was looking after her seven brothers and sisters at the age of 14 when her mum died and her dad Jesus. was a bad junkie. Yeah. But um so my uncle who's gay now, he um he used to break into houses, steal cars, and then now he was the head chef of the opera house. Then really? Yeah, and then he went to work for Pet Barn. He there was a when he was a kid there was bad um it was bad charges he was under. Like yeah. things you don't want to imagine, you know, like I'm not going to say, but, and then, yeah. you know, you're like, that's because he wanted to change his life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's, that's something, like, something to be proud of. Yeah, from massively. Going to, from crime to being the head chef of the opera house, you know? Not everyone gets a chance like that. And then to own in a pet barn, then to own in your own store, you know? Yeah, what I mean? fully. Like, that's, that's something to be proud of. You know what I mean? And that's because he, he had nothing, you know? My mum never gave up on him. Yeah, and now that I'm my age, yeah, she in the diet, uh, mental health she has, she wants the better for me, but like she can't physically say it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, because I'm her carer now. Yeah, and right. And she's so most of the time when I'm at home, she's like a 11 year old girl. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? So like, wow, you know she she could have if she didn't have the mental health, you know, like. She could, like, I'm her role model, basically, you know. So my whole life I haven't had a role model. Like, at the age of two and a half, um, Docs came into my life. And that's, yeah. that changed my life. So Docs is Department of Child Services? Yeah. yeah. So at the, you know, we're all kids and we go, like yeah. that, you know. Down in the Docs worker's face, right, and she oh, smacked me, right. Docs worker smacked me. Yeah. Sent me to the corner. Then for three and a half years later, 
never spoke one word. And that's really? what changed my life at the age of two and a half. You know what you I mean? Know, and, and we get judged for being in docks. Yeah. That's not our fault. That's no. Well, it wasn't my mum's fault. It was people that making lies, you know what I mean? Like yeah. docs believe the lies and don't investigate. You yeah. know what I mean? No? I do. It, um, it's a shame because you look at Ryan, he just looks like a beautiful young man, yeah. you know? And then... No one knows what the experiences he's gone through. Or, or why is he quiet? Tell him to fucking speak up. It's yeah. like, well, his you, previous trauma and history is that, you know. So, bro, honestly, these are stories we hear every day. They, these are like, like it's just not uncommon for us to hear these and that's why we know you can't judge, judge someone on the surface. But, like, even, like, you're talking, Ryan, about your background and your yeah. upbringing is quite tough. Like, even, very tough. Mm. Even just listening to you talk about the level of responsibility you now have while you're trying to get your life, like on a like good. I, I've what, got seventeen? Seventeen, like, Ryan? Yeah, yeah. Just turned seventeen. But you're, you're a carer, carer for a per. <laughs> Fuck, bro. And um, no, but I've been Dude, a do you know how? for three years now. Do you know how? Like, okay, and I'm not even getting paid for it. Dude, you know? do you know how? Like, okay, so I don't want you to like feel like I'm blowing smoke, but I just think, mate, that is so unbelievably impressive. Yeah. Like, you no, know, like. <laughs> like I used to have days off when and not tell them what I would make up excuses. Yeah, you know, because I I was embarrassed. Yeah, you know, not every kid wants to be their parents. No, like Kerry, you know what I mean. No, I do. So I was making up excuses and you know, like so when my brother, if my mum has to go to a doctor's appointment, my brother will go. Yeah, I have to go to a, if there's a real big important like an NDIS thing. Yeah, that was the other day. I'll have to go because I'm a primary carer. Yeah, like right. I'm not. Like, like, uh, uh, so incident happened. My mum's friend came over, stole a pair of my shoes. Right, then my mum, like, or oh, made a TikTok telling everyone the truth about her because she like seemed like she was the nicest person. Right, then she got my mum charged, and um, the police came over one day, and um, at that early, like seven o'clock in the morning, the police were meant to meant to come knock on your door. Because everyone's sleeping at that time, eh? Like, at five o'clock in the morning, so that's, like, yeah. everyone's sleeping, you know what I mean? And yeah. I walked out, and I walked up next to my mum to the police, and the police held their hand on their taser, ready to tase me, because I went up, and they said, oh, who are you? And I said, I'm a carer. And because I wasn't going to walk away, they held their hand on their taser, because how I was dressed. And then, th- so this, and then the same coppers that came, um, that day to charge my mum from the incident. What got brought up in there, that there were three cops. I was on my bed and they all had, like, took their tasers out, ready to tase me while I'm sitting there. No weapon, nothing, because of what my mum said. And that was true, you know. And yeah. I, I'm grateful that my mum said it, but because how I was dressed, because I was going to leave that night, Yeah, they wanted to... Take out the taser, ready to tase me for no reason. Like, yeah. only for what happened, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I do. I was saying to them, like, you know, um, you know, this world is, like, overrated, you know what I mean? Like, girls, not being, not, like, shaming it on girls, but they have more of a say than boys, you know what I mean? Like, girls are suicidal, boys are suicidal, you know what I mean? And that's where the world stuffs up, you know? Like, you try to... Open up, a girl. You can a girl can, you know, anyone will accept a girl to open up to them, 
But boy, in the other hand, it's different. You know what I mean? Like I do. Like Dude. I, I, I think that's a beautiful. He's speaking um, truth about man. It is. It, like it's such I, a. It took me seven and a half years to open something up to my mum. Yeah. And um, yeah, that that the day that happened, I it, wait came off my shoulders and it took me out of every family member it took me seven and a half years just to tell my mum wow dude okay. so you are beyond your years right yeah miles mate uh, miles, miles. <laughs> you can certainly talk but brother like the way you explain things I I certainly think that there's some truth in that as well that, that guys and girls get judged yeah, well, a bit differently yeah you know what I mean like yeah I, I understand what you're saying I think it's interesting the point you're making though like in terms of I do think guys uh, struggle to really open up, yep. really express themselves, and then as a result, the back end is worse. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. rates of suicide amongst men is significantly yeah. exponentially higher. And you know, like I, I, I did try to commit suicide. It, ever since that day, I've, I've, I, I'm not going to lower myself down. Yeah. you know what I mean. Like yeah. I'm not going to let people get at me to the point. Like I still get suicidal thoughts every day. Yeah, right. But I don't act on it. Like, I'm not going to lower myself down to that standard because death is the easy path and life's the hardest. You know what I mean? And, like... I listen to your story, mate, and I don't know what you're lowering. Like, you go through more and do more than, like, most of the people I know. Most of them aren't even achieving what you're achieving. Like, I'm being honest. I'm not blowing smoke. I'm telling you the truth. Like, bro, And and we see it, bro, like, the full-time carer... He's then always like an hour and a half early to the train station until we pick the boys up. How good. He has then takes two hours to get home. Yeah. Like his dedication alone goes to show you probably what the value in this program, in this program is. is. You know, for him to be able to show up the way he shows up, then pay for others to make sure they show up and, and to go through the feelings and the experiences and the whole life that he's dealt with. Bro, yeah. like credit Bro, to this dude. Up, you <laughs> could be Joe. You Absolutely. It's interesting there are a few strong themes that come through, like talking to you and talking to Ryan and talking to everyone today. Like, I mean, not being heard. Clearly not being heard is one. The the ability to actually be heard and let someone just listen to you is massive. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Absolutely. About your experiences here, right? How do you, like, so how do you, because you know psychologists and psychiatrists, they have like support and buddy programs because they obviously take on a lot of content and yep. then they need to. How do I unload my Yeah, stuff? like what are you and Jeremy and, and Camille and it's Daniel, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. What and are you Steve. guys, and Steve, yeah. Yep. What do you guys do to um, manage your, yourselves? Bro, I am so grateful to have a community of men. Yeah. Um, I'm so grateful to have a community of men around me that, we have open conversations on truly how we are feeling, whether it's yeah, suicidal, right. whether it's home. One thing we start with every day here, before we even get into business, is how we feeling. Yeah. What's going on at home, how we truly feeling. Yeah. What we're teaching these boys is what we're living by as well. Shout yeah. out to the men movement. Um, there's a group down here called a men that they What's it are a, the men movement. A mend, A M E N D. Yeah, right. They are living, breathing products of what they preach. And it's for having healthy conversations with men. It's having a group of men around us. See, my old lifestyle was, bro, let's get on the piss and speak about things and tell your mates you love them then. We're now able to talk amongst men now and say I love you. Without alcohol. Without alcohol. Without shame. And without shame. Yeah. And 
we are proud embraced. to uh, yeah. be embraced and be proud of who you are. I've come from an upbringing of if you cry, I'll give you something to cry yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Now I openly cry. I openly talk about my feelings and emotions in front of these boys. Yeah, which allows them to do it the same. It opens up. Yeah. It oh, opens up, yeah, mate. <laughs> so, oh, and why we do share circles is for that reason: is to be vulnerable in front of your brothers, in front of your friends, and to actually tell us how you truly are feeling. Dude. Where else can you do that? You can't. Okay, you can't. So we, we're in a rugby environment, bro. Like we know, well, you're supposed to be hard. You're supposed to drink all these beers. Where, yeah. to me, now being tough is to be able to show your emotions, is to speak on how you feel properly. That to me, that's means tough. Massive. There's so much mana and strength and. And truly speaking about the way that you feel. Because do you know what's crazy is a lot of people I've spoken to, some on the podcast will say to me that when they speak to a psychologist or a psychiatrist, they don't feel like they are connecting with them because yeah. there's no shared experience from the other oh, bro, Can I jump in there? Yeah. I'm glad you said connecting. Connection yeah. is everything. It is, mate. You can tell when someone's full of shit. You can feel the energy on yeah. them and you can tell if they don't give a fuck about you. Yeah. I think the biggest strength we have here is absolutely connection. Yeah. And that comes from our family upbringing, that comes from our cultural upbringing, yeah. that comes from our team upbringing. Everything that we create here is about connection. It's about creating a circle of trust that if these boys don't have a support network at home, mm. they become their own support network. Yeah, 100%. And that's what these boys do. They pick each other up off the ground, they reach out on the weekend when they need help. These boys... Oh, so that happens? That like, happens, yeah, bro. Good, these boys good. are opening their own houses when these boys... Have yeah, you were saying before. And then, like, it's not only us; so, it's these boys so are doing even, it as well. Um, one of the other boys, he had a fight with, or not, not with them, but because yeah. of something that happened when we were tubing. Yeah. And um, I was gonna text Joey and Daniel, um, to tell him he was with me, and um, yeah, he's like, no, nah, don't tell them, don't tell them. Like, and we hopped on it, like, so they've dropped, they could have dropped. Oh, I could have caught Uber from where we were because I was so close to home. I'm like, no, nah, I want to go back to Ormo train station. And I'm, I just had a feeling just to go back to Ormo train station. And they're like, are you sure? Are you sure? I said, yeah. So I went back to Ormo train station. Once they left, the train going to Brisbane arrived. And um, one of the other boys were on it. And he's like, um, he's like, and he's like, when the train left, he's like, oh, can I borrow your phone to text someone? I said, yeah, okay. He just make it quick. I've got five minutes before my train. He's come over and um, I said, where are you going from here? Do you want me to text the guys to come pick you up? And he's like, no, nah, I'm just... And he was going to sleep at the Ormond train station. And I, and I, I, I took him home. Jesus. And, and um, I could have... And he went... When we were on a train, he went to the toilet and I could have texted him. But, you know, he like, I I didn't betray him. You know what I mean? If I yeah. betrayed him and he's down on the Gold Coast, you know... Yeah. I, you know what I mean? It's like, that trust, you know. It's yeah. trust, but... Wow. I certainly think, bro, that finding a group of, of men or mates or friends... Like, even at school, you know what I mean? You have a group of friends, but the only reason they're your friends at school is because they've got no one else to talk to, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So when I got kicked out of school, all my friends... That's enough about school, mate. <laughs> nah, keep going back to that. <laughs> nah, I, I lost all my friends at school. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So after school, you have to find out who... Really, you're going to be your friend for life. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the hardest thing for us. You know what I mean? Like, to being able to trust people and finding out who actually is going to be your friends for life is one of the hardest things. In it life, is, mate. You know what I mean? Yeah. It is. And that goes back to finding a group of friends, bro, that will ask you, are you okay? Like, yeah. you can ask someone, are they okay? They say, yep. And then 
most times we just go on with life. Yeah. But when you get a reaction like that, like my group of mates, oh, they will keep asking you, they will check up on you, they will turn up for you. Yeah. Like I think having such a group, strong, a, a strong group of men around me and women as well that absolutely helped me. We we hear so much here that it's energetically draining. Yeah. You think about it, you constantly want to shut off, but you can't. Like it, when, yeah. when I'm at home... I think about these boys. Yeah. Um, even my partner, bro, she is great. She knows what I do. She loves, she supports me in what I do. She yeah. pays for all the bills. Yeah, right. And um, having a, a, a good group of men around you, bro, that will ask you how you are. Yeah. Um, even if your answer is a short answer that's not truthful, is so important. So um, I'm just grateful that I have a, a great community support. I've got mates like Jeremy, um, Steve, Daniel, that we open up to each other. At the beginning of the week and at the end of the week, we always will see how we're going because um, checking up on your mate and actually seeing how they're going is yeah. massively. And I think why suicide in men is so important is because oh. we often shut down or don't give that chance to actually express the way that you're, you're truly feeling. Dude, we had a um, thing at rugby recently where we did a circle where we had a chat and we split the team into two groups and we had three H's. So you had a hero... Um, like a your highlight, like a career or a life highlight, and one was a hardship. And it was the most amazing experience. Like you learn so much about the people in the room with you. Like we had a, I had a bloke sit next to me who goes, oh, I was sexually assaulted. And you go, abused as a younger person. You go, what the fuck? Like you would never have known. People are talking about their grandparents, the sacrifices they've made. You just don't know. But like to your point before, I think – Thankfully, society's changing in their views of what it means to be a man and opening up is actually tolerated and encouraged. It's not just put, you yeah. know, sort of under the rug like it used to be yeah. where you don't talk about it. Absolutely, bro. So um, we just give these youth a chance here, bro, to be seen, to yeah. be heard and to have a voice. Um, yeah. And, and uh, that gives them their own identity. Yeah. Um, instead of, yeah... Uh, uh, yeah, just giving them their own identity and their own visions yeah. um, is so important, especially for these youth. Dude, I've, I've, I've we've been going an hour and a half. I can't believe wow. that. Oh, that goes bro, fast. Like for me, man, I, I can't. I, you could talk all day. My eh? heart opens yeah. when I have these conversations yeah, about these youth. It's good, um, mate. Yes, we can talk all day. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, no. Can I ask I, you one more question absolutely. before we go? What's missing? Like, what's missing in these kids' lives? Love. Yeah. Love, bro. Um, they just want to be loved. They want to be supported, held. Man, it just, yeah, trust. Hurt. So hurt. Like, I can't put it into one word what no. is missing. No, of course. Um, but ultimately, if we can come back to love, if we can show these boys support, don't give up on them. Yeah. It's easy to walk away and give up. That's the easy option. Yeah. I give these boys 20, op 20 chances, you know. Yeah. It's because if I give up, or if Eastwave give up, yeah, we become just like everyone else. Yeah, these boys fall back in the system into the cracks. So, um, yeah, for me, man, it's just never giving up, and doing what we need to do in order to keep these boys um, here, keep these doors open, and give them a chance at life. I'm wrapping up because we've been going an hour and a half. I don't even realise. Thanks for sitting in, mate. But can I ask you the same question I asked Joe? Yeah. What's missing in the lives of? like in your life and in other young boys' and girls' lives that's gotten you to where you are now, like what what has been missing? So Because uh, the reason I ask is because 
if it can get the message out there for people. Role models. Yeah. You know, and parents, they actually, or people that actually care about you and want good for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, not um, want you to be like them, they want to you to be greater than them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dude, and not to. Oh, bro. He's fucking. Not to. He's on it, eh? Bro. Money changes everything, you know what I mean? Yeah. Bro, like, honestly, we, we see, we plant a seed here and these boys just flourish. Dude. And we see the growth every day in these boys. Ryan couldn't even hold a conversation or say hello to anyone when we come in here. And that alone, bro. Yeah. Like, this is why we do what we do. Wow. Yeah, dude. <laughs> and uh, Ryan's a proud Indigenous. Are you uh, really? Fella. Yeah. Um, well, that's a. It's a massive thing. He's part of our ancestry yeah. as a um, founding but, but I'm a white person. Person. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't been matter. In the, um, been in the shade. Yeah. The long, <laughs> I think it's what, what the term is. So yeah, but, um, bro, like, I want to credit you on that. Only yeah. a couple of weeks ago, we done an exercise, and the exercise was about who's your role model. Yeah. Um, and we always get to hear these boys open up, brother. But, man, you're a role model for me. Like, yeah. And that, that's dude. honestly, bro, like, like, like for. People say everyone's had a role model. Yeah, I, I I've had a couple role models, but they've all passed on. You know yeah. what I mean? And like, so you c- they can't be my role model no more because they're not here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I still look up to them, but they're not my role model because they're not here. You know what I mean? Like yeah. So every person, every male role model I've had in my life and I've got close with have yeah. actually passed on. Yeah, right. From suicide and drugs and yeah. alcohol and yeah. death in their sleep and everything. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's because boys don't get that say. help, that support. If people want to find you, I'll obviously put links up to all of your socials and your website and whatever else. But if people want to actually, like you were talking earlier about financials are, are a challenge. Yep. If people do want to donate or help out or provide you with support, they can just get in contact with you guys directly. Yeah, brother. So What's we've got a website, um, So that's E-S-U-A-R-V-E.com.au. Yeah. Uh, we're not for uh, not for profit, but we do have our charity status. Right. Um, so if people want to donate, it would go absolutely towards a good cause. Yeah. Um, it would help us help as many people as possible, Shit, and it yeah. would certainly help keep these doors open and these boys fed um, by giving these guys an opportunity to change. I think all of us are playing our part as a community. Yeah. And when when we talk about community, I absolutely believe people helping out through donations or dropping off food or yeah. giving PPE. Yeah, it all matters to us. Anything yeah, small or big, we will take everything that we can. So um, yeah, I I do have to um, bro credit a couple of businesses. Yeah, it's okay. Go nuts. Certainly, Todd and Camille Pepper Pepper from LC in Queensland. Without yeah. them, the reality is we wouldn't be where we are today. Yeah, their constant support has been nothing but short of amazing. Um, and love. Yeah. And I'm thankful you said that, Ryan, because the love that both of those humans show, um, I think we could learn something from them. Oh, shit, yeah. We've had a guy, Bill Henderson, who on our first graduation donated $25,000. Wow. From OPD, so we're certainly so grateful for him. Greg Batomsky, um, he came in here last week and just firstly opened up his heart to us and just loved everything that we do, so he donated $5,000. Wow. We had Mike Loney from Ausbuild has been a mentor for these boys jumping on Zoom calls. Yeah. Uh, we've had uh, Greystone 
Greystone and another company that have helped donate $5,000 towards these boys and wow. become a mentor as well. And David High from AMC Cleaning. Um, without these men and these guys in this community that are supporting us, Honestly, bro, I don't know where we would be. Yeah. We're just a couple of broke Maldi boys that <laughs> have a huge heart. And that's the reality of it is yeah. we have a huge heart. We probably did do things back to front here because the first thing we wanted to do was just to help people. But with Camille on board who looking after the business side and with our love and passion that we show in this team, um, we can only achieve great things, man. Definitely. Bunnings was a um, big... Bunnings has been a, a massive one for us. Uh, they provide all the materials and all of our power tools. So really? And just all of the support that we have, big and small. And we just get random people that turn up and drop off fo food and food vouchers and Dude, things like that. Awesome. It matters greatly to us, man. Dude, that's so um, good. So, man, if anyone wants to help, brother, we would certainly have an open heart to receive. Um, yeah, shit, yeah. Grateful for anything. Matters to the kids. Yeah. yeah. Um, the most. They um, show up and want to change. And that's a big part. They come through the door and they want to change and we see change. So yep. it keeps um, keeps us smiling. Oh, bro, if I – one thing, bro. If I never made any money through this company, I'd still be a rich man. Yeah, um, so Bro, I, I sit here emotional every day. I smile every day. I laugh. I cry. Um, and my purpose in life is absolutely to help as many people as possible. So yeah. I'm just grateful, bro, that you also come through today. Um, oh, thanks, mate. I allowed us to have a healthy conversation as well, yeah. and I guess put a bit of awareness around there. Yeah. Um, about what we do, and and hopefully people won't be so judgmental. Um, to let people have a second chance. Yeah. And not give up. Yeah. What a way to finish second chance. Ryan, you're the man. You are the man. Thanks, brother. That brings us to the end uh, of this episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. I had uh, a great time meeting Joe and his team and also uh, talking to Ryan. It was um, outstanding for me. Uh, as always, if you like the show, rate, review, uh, subscribe, uh, follow, share, uh, and all of those sorts of things, that would be great. And until next time, thanks. Bye.